Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam. Pharmacists to care. And good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Kathy Kayla and you're on 101.9 HiFM. This is the Discam Medical Monday. Now, uh, you know, you, if you listen, if you're a regular listener to the show, you'll know that when I talk about the human body, to me it is an absolute wonder. All the different systems that work within systems, that work within systems and uh, you know, just look at one tiny little system and how it works and interacts. And, you know, even if you go look on uh, on YouTube, there's a, there's a lot of uh, videos and animations of, for example, what happens if we cut ourselves and how the skin heals itself. You know, it's, it's just the most incredible, incredible organism, if you want to put it that way, the, the body. And... Uh, one of the very important systems is, of course, the renal system, right? So, um, you know, we've got our, our, our kidneys, and these are organs that they clean our body. They cleanse our body. They clean our blood, and uh, everything that we eat gets cleaned, gets processed, and that's one of the cycles of life. Last Thursday was uh, International, or it was World Kidney Day. And uh, they've got a theme. They had a theme this year of women and kidney health. And uh, I didn't know that there were certain uh, issues, health issues, that affect women specifically when it comes to kidneys. So uh, I'd like to welcome into studio Professor Emeritus Anthony Mayer, and he is a nephrologist, and uh, we're going to be talking about women and kidney health. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you very much, and good morning to all the listeners. Good morning. Uh, let's just talk about the, the kidneys. Um, is their sole purpose just to clean our blood? That was a, a very good, that was going to be my first answer anyway, that uh, the kidneys are not just there to take the waste out. That's one of ten procedures. Now, the heart is merely a pump. It is a very simple organ. When we say the heart of the matter, we should be saying the kidney of the, of the matter <laughs> or the brain of the matter, but not the heart. The heart's got one function. Uh, now, the kidneys, apart from cleansing, the, uh, there's a whole lot. I'm not going to go into them. But they keep the, the acid and the, and the base concentrations, the, uh, the, the, all the, the pH, the, all the minerals, every mineral that you can conceive. They make red blood cells. They control the blood pressure. They control the blood sugar. They control all the hormones to do with your bone integrity, calcium, phosphorus. And on it goes. And, and it's a powerhouse. And I think you can appreciate that I'm not biased by when I say that the kidneys have four times the amount of blood going to them every second than does the heart. Uh, There's only two organs that do that, the brain with four times the amount of other organs and the kidneys. The rest have to share. So why? Because the kidneys and the brain require a huge amount of ATP, adenosine triphosphate, which is our energy building blocks. And you've got to have a lot of oxygen for that to to do all the functions. And why do we require a lot of energy? Because it's got so many more functions and simple things like muscle and bowel and heart, (laughs) etc. It's actually quite an amazing thing. If you see somebody who, who who needs a kidney transplant, 
all their systems are linked to that kidney. A, a kidney failure will affect every single system in your body without fail. Yeah, well, kidney failure, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, can we just talk about women's health and uh, in relation to kidneys? I did not know there were certain kidney health issues that only affected women. Um, well, I'm going to talk about some of the some of the scope is uh, diseases that occur in men and women, but th- there's been a change in the pattern of that. That's, I'll come to that later. But I think the first thing to to dwell on is pregnancy. Yes. And not only can kidney disease in the pregnancy affect the mother and the mother's life, even or prognosis, but also the baby. And I think the most important. I'm going to start with the, with the most important. In South Africa, because that's this is what we're talking about, and that it, it, I think generically internationally it's called the fetal alcohol syndrome. Wow! Yes. Now that was uh, children born to mothers who are boozers, and if you're a child and you're born at a weight birth weight of less than two kilograms, your chances of getting kidney disease when you're an adult are very high. All sorts of different sorts. But even in infancy, you can have kidney disease. But this is not, in South Africa, the fetal alcohol only. Alcohol is just one smaller. Here, we're looking at mothers who are chronically ill. Very lot, Many of them have got HIV or other uh, uh, communicable diseases, tuberculosis. There may be, there may be alcohol. They're heavy smokers. They're malnourished. They haven't got resources to go to hospital, uh, and they're usually chronically ill people. And the number of uh, their children who are born less than two kilograms are quite uh, quite significant. And also, there's a thing called the APOA1 gene that is common in the African population that um, sees to it that the children of those mothers have, get various types of disease. They're more exposed to getting for instance, chronic glomerulonephritis in infancy and childhood and adulthood and, and going on to kidney failure. So that's the one. And, and that is all preventable uh, by many, m- many means. It's all preventable, theoretically. The other one that's common is, is eclampsia in, in, our, in our mothers, our black, and particularly it's, it's across the board, but particularly black uh, mothers, mainly because they're not being cared for. Is that where everything swells? Well, it the blood pressure goes yeah. up. You're going to hemolyze your red. You're going to they swell because of you lose protein and your heart failure as well sometimes. And both the mother and, and child are also at big risk to uh, morbidity and mortality. Um, and preeclampsia, but eclampsia is a bad one. Then there's a thing called the hemolytic syndrome of pregnancy, which is again universal, but and and it's far commoner in South Africa for many reasons. Um, it's an atypical hemolytic syndrome. It's due to RH incompatibility and other very uh, oh, rare that's blood. Oh, rhesus, right? That's when your baby's oh, got yeah, a different it, blood it's, type. It's usually otherwise. It's usually the MN. They're usually other very rare blood groups with antibodies you form uh, against them. Uh, and and uh, the etiology, pathogenesis, is not fully understood, but it can be. It's a very, it's a very dangerous um, uh, type of disease. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, then in, in pregnancy as well, um, you've got to consider people who fall pregnant who've got chronic kidney disease. Now, I think I should just explain chronic kidney disease. It's, that means from any cause, 
Uh, it's the seventh highest cause of kidney uh, of death in South Africa of the non-communicable diseases. Uh, it's probably, that's in the world. It's pr probably more common in South Africa because a lot of our patients are not even diagnosed. They die without even us knowing that they've got kidney, or them knowing that they've got kidney disease. And uh, the reason it's common is because of the severe hypertension in our population and a lot of HIV. Sure. Um, so I think it's probably much, much commoner than, than, than we think. But anyway, CKD, which is defined into various uh, stages, stages uh, one, two, three, four, and five, Five being the, uh, requiring a, a dialysis or a transplant, or you die, uh, depending on how the severity of the cl of the percentage of function that is present, and also how much protein that they leak in the urine, which is also bad. Now, in, in our society, as I've said just now, a huge number of patients, in fact, probably not more than twenty percent of people who we get with kidney failure n in women know that they've ever had kidney failure, and men. But the women, you see, go into pregnancy not knowing they've got chronic kidney disease. And there's a much uh, worse prognosis in, in uh, various types of chronic kidney disease and various stages. So either the mother loses life or child or both. So again, this in this terrible. day and age, nobody in should this be day dying and age, In this day and age, because the surveys haven't been done. I'm afraid to say our Department of Health hasn't got off their backside to do their work properly. And, and, and neither have we as doctors. So it's about time we join forces. and the, the, we, Nobody can do it in cell isolation. The, we as doctors can't do it, and the government thinks they can, but they can't. We must join forces. The only um, stats I think that I've been able to get out of government departments over the past five years are stats on tuberculosis. Yeah. Now, we're very good, we're very good with stats on infectious diseases yeah. like malaria, TB, HIV, etc. A huge amount of money is poured into that. And then the world woke up, the, WL, the World Health Organization woke up a few years ago and said, now, hang on, there is an epidemic of various other diseases, including uh, kidney failure. Then some other d diseases that are um, probably commoner in women than men, although there, it occurs in both, and that is... Uh, obesity, um, metabolic syndrome with heart disease, uh, diabetes. But in, in our black population, you have, have a lot of children who are obese. You, I've seen patients age 16 with type 2 diabetes, which is supposed to occur when you're 40. So that's been a ch change, and it's more common in the young women than young, young men. Uh, interesting. And kidney failure as, as a whole used to be in a proportion of about... Uh, th um, three men to just under two women. Now it's two. It's it's one to one with women becoming commoner, and particular again in the black population. So there's a change in the pattern as well, and that may be due to modern living and <coughs> excuse me, urbanisation and all the temptations of being couch potatoes, etc. And yet, um, our black population are not couch potatoes. Uh, so it must be our food that we're eating. Uh, well, I think it's a, it's more than just, yeah, I agree with food and salt and the, uh, the, the food industry is salt, one of sugar. the guiltiest, everything, yeah. that's correct. Sugar's in everything, yeah, but everything. It's, it's also, I'm afraid to say, the, the, a lot of the, um, certainly in the cities, 
our culture at schools where you, you work very hard during the day and there's not organized sports so their kids go home and they fiddle on their cell phones or whatever and and then computers and watch tv so it's a it is a it, they are, are become we're all becoming couch potatoes we need to change that. Oh boy, you're right. <laughs> Easier said than done, though. Yeah, no, no, there are other things. No, okay, no. so you said obesity, uh, metabolic syndrome. These are these are kidney these, diseases that no, affect well, the, no, men and lo- women. The, uh, the metabolic syndrome affects you know a lot of systems: heart, pancreas, diabetes, uh, blood, blood pressure, kidney failure. It's a multi-organ uh, target organ damage uh, situation. Which is why it's a syndrome, right? Right. Um, but another one that should be mentioned that is infection, chronic infect, chronic urine infection. Now, chronic infection of the bladder is not a, a major cause of kidney failure, interestingly enough, unless unless the infections are due to obstruction due to the passage of urine, say, to build hearts here or kidney stones. But if the if the if the infection goes to the kidney, what we call pyelonephritis. That's a potent cause of kidney failure in the uh, white and Asian population, and it's pretty rare in, in, in the black population as a, as a primary event. So that is a different thing as well. Uh, and then there are various types of um, systemic illnesses. I think everybody would have heard of systemic lupus erythematosus. Yes. Well, we know as lupus. We know as lupus. Now, lupus is commoner in the, in the black f- f- women. Why are we not certain? But it is common, and it occurs that's a much more vicious type, far higher proportion of uh, ladies with black ladies with lupus go on to kidney failure. And uh, we're not sure, but it would, I'm beginning to think that there's a syndrome called APLS. That's the antiphospholipid antibody syndrome. You start clotting up your blood. You clot your veins and your arteries, and that is seen in all populations, but more frequently in blacks, and it's being missed all the time. And it's linked to the kidneys. And it's li- li- you get you can die of, of, of pulmonary emboli, of coronary thrombosis, kidney failure. It's linked directly to lupus and, and the kidneys as well. Is the clot is blood clotting factor produced by the kidneys? Um, and the blood clotting factor is acted on by the uh, the, the kidneys handle. Um, the, the amount of calcium in the blood that influences the clotting factors. And vitamin, no, calcium is the main direct link with that. Okay. Yeah. All right. If you've got any questions, I'm speaking to Professor Anthony Mayer. He's Professor Emeritus, and uh, he's a nephrologist. He's a professor of nephrology. He uh, he operates or he practices. He's still practicing. Yeah, I'm still practicing. <laughs> when will you get it right? Um <laughs> <laughs> at the Donald Gordon uh, Medical Center. He's also um, got a very, very big clinic, Clarksdorp. Well, you're part of, you're part of that. You're one of the specialists. The, at, the at Clarksdorp uh, Hospital has got a big dialysis unit where we also do – we don't do transplants there, but we do them in Johannesburg – and in outpatients and acute kidney failure, and it's linked to the Johannesburg to, to the to Vits. Okay. All right. Um if you've got any questions, then let us know what they are, and I will put them forward to the professor. How do you get in touch? Well, you can text on 34519. You can also WhatsApp on 061-895-1019. Got it? That's a, you can text on 34519. 
you can WhatsApp, send us a WhatsApp message, text on 061-895-1019. My guest is Professor Anthony Mayer, and we're talking kidneys. We're talking kidney health on the uh, on the 8th of March. That was last Thursday. It was World Kidney Day, and it was looking at kidneys and women's health. Uh, I didn't know that there were specific diseases that affect women, women's kidneys, pregnancy. Uh, but you, I think that uh, the professor will be open to any questions that you have about kidneys. So uh, send them through. Thanks for joining me. My name is Kathy Kayla. Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam. Pharmacists to care. If you've just joined me, welcome and thank you so much for choosing 101.9 High FM. This is the Discam Medical Monday. My name is Kathy Kayla, and uh, last Thursday was World Kidney Day. We're talking about kidney as it relates to women's health, or kidneys as it relates to women's health. And uh, joining me is Professor Emeritus Anthony Mayer, and he's a nephrologist. So you've mentioned quite a few times how few women know at the time of pregnancy that they have this chronic kidney fail, uh, kidney disease. Can you just take us right back from the beginning? What is kidney disease? What causes it? What does it look like? What does it feel like? How is it diagnosed? And how is it managed? Okay. <clears throat> the commonest causes of kidney failure, of kidney disease, is uh, number one in this country in the, in the black population is hypertension and in the white population in Asian is diabetes, type 2 diabetes and they're often linked so you can think of it as all one that is by far the commonest then you've got to go all the way back to when you were born there are congenital causes polycystic, uh, autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease plus a whole myriad of others uh, and, and then there are the infective causes, pyelonephritis, uh, blockage due to uh, kidney stones or bilharzia, the, the obstructive uropathy, etc. Uh, then there are what we call the autoimmune diseases, which is a whole spectrum of which lupus is one, and that's common. Then there's a different sorts of, sorts of glomerulonephritis, which can be caused by, by streptococcal infection, staph, all sorts of allergies to actual infection some of which we, we don't understand at all, and they produce heavy proteinuria uh, and renal failure, hypertension, etc. Um, and uh, there, um, there, there, are other, there are other rare, there are a lot of rare causes which I don't want to, to mention, but those are, the, those are by far the, the commonest. Now, um, just to mention kidney stones, because this is one that I forgot to mention, and it's changed. First of all, kidney stones in black population and in women in particular hardly ever occur whereas in in, in the white and Asian population 16% of all men have a stone and about 7 oh, or 8% high. have recurrent stones it used to be about 2% of women, it's now almost the same as men so the, that's changed in the, in, in the white and the Asian population of South Africa because I've noted I do it Big stone clinic, and I've noticed exactly that, and it's been reported in the in the international literature. Now, why has it changed? Different diets? Who knows? But it has changed. Now, you, that's you are, interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. So I was asking, um, 
what, what, are, the, the what are the symptoms yeah. of, of kidney disease? Yeah. Now, now, the symptoms of kidney disease, for, for, the, for the population, that's us. I think the best thing to think of it is there are no symptoms until it's too late. So when you go to your doctor, if, particularly if you have a family history of diabetes and a family history of hypertension, you've got to be checked up from the age of about 15 every year for those two. You've got to be. Te- we used to think, we used to think you'd go when you're 30 or 40 or 50. You've got to be checked up when you're young, maybe even 10, but certainly not older than 15. And the doctor's job is not only to tell you about your blood pressure, uh, because hypertension. When I was a medical student. One out of 15 children were age 15 had, hyper, had kidney failure from hypertension. Now it's 14 out of 15. So idiopathic genetic hypertension is the commonest cause of kidney failure in children. Gosh, it sounds like we're killing ourselves. Yeah, yeah we are. Well, we know that. Um, so the doctor's got to look, and the doctor's got to do a dipsticks, and they, but they've got to know how to take the blood pressure. Is that yeah. the, is the, the dipsticks is, is the urine test is that the you urine have test. during pregnancy? Yeah. Any time. Or all pregnant women have Any time. If anybody, yeah. if a doctor sees somebody with a sickness, they must do a, a dipsticks and look for various things. They know what to look for. And, and then from then on, you follow that up. So by the time you, de- you develop signs and symptoms of kidney disease, it's too late. The signs could be related to any organ in the body and you can get everybody thinks of swelling of the legs etc yes it can happen it can happen early even with mild kidney failure or late when you aren't passing enough urine Mm -hmm. so that but it's not an it's not it's a rare sign and you can have diarrhea vomiting nausea bruising bleeding not stopping bleeding could uh, be anything anything uh, mental deterioration unable to concentrate tremors Peripheral neuropathy, every organ can be involved. Forget it. You want to get this all attended to long before any of those happen. So that is the job of the doctors. And the doctors have got to be educated, which is one of the main functions of the Kidney Foundation, to educate the population. We have difficulty, though. Can, do kidneys have any impact on hormones or hormones have an impact on kidneys? Yes, they do. What's the um, relationship? Yes, they do. Um, First of all, the um, the kidneys are directly related to uh, being acted on by hormones, and also related they're related to by metabolizing hormones. So let's start with the metabolism of of hormones. Insulin, which the body produces, as we know, insulin fifty percent of the insulin is broken down by the liver, and fifty percent of it's broken down by the kidney. So you know, inactivate it. So when you go into kidney failure from any cause, you get a type of insulin resistance because your insulin isn't broken down and the levels can rise and your fasting insulin levels can go up. So that, that's just one example. Another hormonal thing is the manufacture of the chemical called erythropoietin, which is a uh, hormone, and that acts on the red blood cells to produce red blood cells to carry the oxygen. Um, then uh, vitamin D, which is really vitamin, we call we call vitamin D a hormone. Vitamin uh, a, a, a vitamin, it's a, really a hormone, a pro-hormone. And the activated vitamin D, because we, when I say activated, the vitamin D we eat in, in food, and the, we get from the sunlight vitamin D two being. Uh, converted to vitamin D3, which is stored in the liver. That's not active. That, when you need it, that vitamin D3 from the liver, where it's stored, goes to the kidney, and it's activated on into a hormone called 
calcitriol, which controls the level of the calcium, the phosphorus, the parathyroid hormone, our bone integrity, our clotting ability, very much hormonal uh, effects. And then we get the intrinsic uh, hormonal role of the kidney at what we call an area of the kidney near there are all the filters. Don't forget there are a million filters in each kidney in the males and about 700,000 in each female. And they've all got little squiggly tubules that come back towards where they started when, uh, when it, before the urine is collected. And at that junction, there's an, a little area of special cells that makes all the hormones that control the blood pressure. And uh, you either can get a, usually get a very high blood pressure. Uh, there, there's a whole group of them, and makes other hormones that control heart rate. It's a, it's a factory. It's absolutely fascinating, is what it is. That these two little bean-shaped organs can be in charge of so much, and in our in our body. Well, it's so much t- more than just being filters yeah, uh, for our blood. If you take the tubules, you know each filter. And there's a blood vessel going in, and it's, it's filtered, and then comes out another blood vessel. And there's a little tube that comes out of it, which eventually joins to form the urine. And if you, in a man, there's a million of those in each kidney. If you tweeze those out and you join them end to end, uh, your uh, tubules would stretch from about here to Bloemfontein. In, in, in Nobody goes to Bloemfontein. <laughs> All right, but it's about 400 kilometers. So you put them end to end, and if you cut them in the middle... And you laid them side by side, they have the surface area of, of two full size international rugby fields. So you're Absolutely. seeing what you're dealing with enormous surface area of minute submicroscopic stuff that you can only see with the electron microscope. Can we talk about kidney stones? Why yeah. do kidney stones form? Yeah, Where does it come from? Yeah, it come from it, yeah. Um, I think the most important thing is to talk about the commonest, which is calcium and oxalate. There are uric acid stones, which are very much common if you've got gout, uh, but not only gout. And there are infective stones if you have chronic infection of the kidneys, a different type of stones. So leave those out. 80% are calcium and oxalate. And they come from, uh, the, first of all, there's certainly a polygenetic background. In, in, in a lot of families it's a polygenic we don't know exactly what's happening we we know the phenotype but not the genotypes yet it's complicated what does that mean well we know what uh, the various types of uh, uh, various uh, uh, clinical expressions okay. um, but uh, the causes are very very much uh, uh, hinged around the food we eat very much but also metabolic problems Primary, primary metabolic. There are congenital things like congenital oxalosis, which is a terrible disease. And that will kill you when you're usually in your teens. But now you can be saved by having a liver transplant what? for your kidney failure. <laughs> Why? Because the liver makes the substance that they work very controls calcium and oxalate uh, metabolism in the body. That's, if you haven't got it, you get a, a disease called oxalosis, and you get oxalate that builds up in your blood vessels and your heart and your your spleen and, and, and kidney stones, and, and it's a fatal disease. But it's fortunately not common, but I'm just giving it the, the full spectrum. The, so the diet, and, and the commonest thing in the diet, and now here's, here's something for everybody, the commonest thing that causes excess, you see, uh, let me just explain. When you have a kidney stone, you've got to multiply the concentration of calcium in the urine by the concentration of the oxalate. 
and, and then you get an, a, a figure that where, where you get a precipitation and a stone. And the amount of calcium in the urine is directly proportional to the amount of salt you eat in your diet. Kidneys are a bit dumb at this. The more salt you eat, the more calcium is excreted. There are obviously physiological reasons. My gosh, the impact of that for for, for women, for bone density, for all the things, you know, to take calcium supplements and then you you have lots of uh, salt in There are also sodium glucose transporters. The more sodium you eat, also the more more, uh, oxalate and glucose uh, you retain. You retain the glucose and excrete the oxalate. So there's a link. Not only with salt, but it's mainly salt in the diet. And it's the amount of hydrogen iron you eat in the diet because if you, if you eat a very acidic diet, which we do when we, when we uh, have a lot of meat as we are, then your pH is much lower and then you make less of a substance, which is a, a pr- protector, a, a substance that stops stones forming. If we didn't have these protectors in our urine, everybody would find st- form stones. Why would a young person get stones? I mean, you, you mentioned gout, but yeah. gout's yeah, well, known as an old man's disease. Yeah. Well, yeah. used to be anyway. Yeah, you can have gout when you're 15 as well and 10. Really? But it's common in old, old people. But why do young people have stones? Because they often have a congenital abnormality of handling of the minerals by the tubules, a tubulopathy, a channelopathy. Uh, but that, again, is not the only cause of stones in, in, in infants and children. Now they get also getting adult-type stones. Everything's changing. Calcium and, and, supplements, are they good or bad? Now, calcium supplements um, are very important. Everybody says, gee, you've got a calcium stone. You mustn't have a calcium supplement. But the calcium, uh, a, a calcium problem can be the cause of the stone. If you're not having enough calcium in your diet, and let me tell you that because the vitamin D levels in this, this, this land of ours are low because you don't go in the sunlight and you don't eat a proper diet, your intake and of calcium is extremely low. Mm. So... You're not having enough calcium in the diet, and that's why you get excess of oxalate, because when you have a normal diet, the calcium in your gut binds the excess of oxalate, and it's excreted in the stool. And if you haven't got enough calcium, the oxalate's absorbed, and you get a stone. So calcium, we give calcium to people whose diet is bad, and it will bind the oxalate and, and cure the, stop the stone from forming. So it's a whole metabolic derangement. It's a very fascinating We've got to reset. We've got to reset everything from how we eat, what we eat, when we eat, how we exercise, when we exercise, because exercising at different times of the day has different impact on the body. It is so complex that to find that routine, once you've got it, hold on to it with both hands. If you want an iconic thought. Yes. You eat a little of everything and a lot of nothing. Oh, oh, I should try that. <laughs> 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 All right. Akiva, thank you so much. Akiva has got a question. He says, is there a checklist and a schedule for the average human to do checks periodically, similar to a car service schedule? Um, at this many kilometers, do this. At so many kilometers, do that. That's a great question. It's Thank great you, Akiva. It's a great question. A question that, that is looked at all over the world. And there have been a lot of studies, and where do they come from? As a, as a rule, that great monitor of, of that type of question is the Mayo Clinic. And after many years of doing this, the Mayo Clinic's come to the opinion that it, it, it's not cost-effective to have an annual checkup all the time. However, even that's changed. What you've got to look at is you as a person and your family. 
You, if there are family problems, then you've got to have your checkup, and the checkups will, should be directed against what your family c- contains. Um, then again, another thing is if you're the sort of person who, and I'm afraid very many, very many businessmen fall into this group, uh, with a very stressful life, you go and have massive lunches, you, you know, you're boozing a lot, you're eating a lot, you're going out, etc. Big dinners. Big that's dinners. A, that's You've got to be thing. checked up. Um, but to have routine tests uh, at a young age and without anything else is is not uh, is not is not worth it. What age you start having routine tests is also, I don't think, a cost-effective thing. But you, uh, certainly, you should have a now. This is a, a major point. You should have a general practitioner. They are the guardians of our health, and we don't use our general practitioners properly. So everybody should have a general practitioner. And if you're in the public service, then there's got to be a general practice uh, availability to be checked up in every hospital. And there are these clinics, but they are understaffed and and, and over and over complemented by patients. We can't keep a pace with this sort of notion you're talking about in South Africa because, unfortunately, again, our government has frozen posts, hasn't, has not expanded with the enormous expansion of, of uh, the number of patients living here. And no wonder there are all these children dying because there aren't. An, it's not the fault that the, the hospital uh, is giving such a bad service. They can't cope because they haven't got the, the staff. They haven't got the support. They haven't got the support. They haven't, yeah. got the, 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 they haven't got enough people working there, both nurses and doctors. All right. So it comes back to prevention is better than cure. Every single time and every single, not every disease in the kidney, obviously, but probably 80% of all kidney failure diseases could be prevented. Professor Mayer, is there um, research going into diabetes um, here in South Africa? Oh, yes. Uh, The the Diabetes Center, um, which is branches of which are all over the place, they're they're extremely active. Um, They're doing a lot of extremely good work. But again, if you come into as a, as a research into prevention of diabetes, there's not enough of that anywhere in the world. It's interesting. I, I just <coughs> got back from a trip overseas. I was in Israel for a few weeks, and uh, I was speaking there to a parent. They've got they've got huge diabetic centres there, and uh, diabetes, unfortunately, very very common. And I think one is because of diet. But what um, this woman was saying, and she's got a child. Uh, he's six years old, and he's uh, got type one diabetes. Okay. And um, he's got he's got a little pump, and she's got a the most amazing technology that they use. You know, she aims this this little reader at him, and she presses a button, and it gives the reading exactly what his uh, sugar levels are. And from that, she can either give him a dose, which is non-invasive to the child; he feels nothing. Um, he doesn't actually have to take anything. It's a little pump that's that's uh, in, you know. It's, uh, it's, put it's under the skin, yeah. Yeah, it's under yeah. the skin. Yeah. And uh, she was actually saying that the research that they're finding in Israel now is that um, a lot of these kids being born with type 1 diabetes, it's linked to extreme stress during pregnancy, which is which is very interesting because you've mentioned a few times how it's, yes. you yes. know, it's, yes. the kidneys are linked to yes. No, I agree with that. The, uh, you know, there's that, and there's autoimmune th- theory, and the other. There's several types of type one diabetes, yeah. but um, there is a stress in pregnancy. And in terms of the the pumps, not only are the pumps the mother seeing what the sugar is, but the pumps 
I monitor the kids' blood sugar and automatically give it glucose as well. Yeah. But these are very expensive, and we can't anywhere near begin thinking of affording that in South Africa. Yeah. It's very expensive. But you can't prevent type 1 diabetes. That's, you know, type 1 diabetes, only a third or even less than a third is inherited, whereas type 2, it's 70%. Yeah, it's very interesting. All right, uh, Chris, finally we're getting to your question. It says, good morning, creatinine levels or creatine? Creatinine. Creatinine. Uh, higher or lower than normal range, what does that mean? That's yes. from Chris. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Chris, what? hi. Yes. Now, creatinine is is a is a toxin. It's a metabolic. It comes from muscle creatine, uh, creatine that we have in our bodies mainly in, in the form of muscle, um, and it's, uh, it's it's broken down. It, it circulates in the blood and it's broken down by the liver to creatinine, and it's excreted in the kidney. It's not terribly toxic. It has a few toxic effects, but. We measure it as an indication of kidney function, the percentage of kidney function. Um, it's not a good one because when you're measuring anything as a percentage of kidney function, that substance, if it's filtered in the kidney, should be all excreted in the urine. But unfortunately, some of the creatinine is reabsorbed in the tubules, so they have to be formula to correct for this. So creatinine clearance isn't... Uh, isn't the gold standard, but it's the practical standard we look at. And we do what is known as an E, which is estimated, EGFR, which is glomerular filtration rate. That's your percentage function. And that's how you're able to come to your degrees of CKD or chronic kidney disease, one down to five. So that's how they actually... That's how they so, estimate it. So that's if you want to be in, accurate, there are isotope methods. You, it's, it's called the inulin clearance, which is all excreted, and that can be done with the isotope method as well, but it's more expensive and we don't use it often. It's not of uh, practical importance except in uh, unusual cases. Where would these tests be done? In the routine laboratory, if you ask for an EGFR on your urea and creatinine electrolytes, you'll get your EGFR. Oh, so when you just go for blood tests. But remember, as you get older, over the age of about 45 to 50, your kidney function deteriorates by... 0.5 to 1% per year. And that, of course, is tremendously important if you're older because you see some of the medicines you get are excreted entirely by the kidney. 50% of all medicines are excreted by uh, liver only and, and, a lot, uh, and the other 50% by kidney with a little bit of liver. And they will accumulate and they can be very toxic. So you've got to watch your P's and Q's and when you start prescribing medicines for older people what are the what are the medications that we should watch out for if we are a little bit older in well, terms of you know becoming toxic to the kidneys it might yeah. be a, a medication for something else yeah, the, you know arthritis yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that look i can give you a few of, uh, examples off the top but there's uh, so many that the doctor so should know that but so, some of the antibiotics particularly the gentamicin but they you know they're toxic in young but much worse in old but i mean that's a difficult question because uh, they're, they're, they're toxic in young as well as old, many of them. Uh, Non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, uh, they're, they're very dangerous for the kidney. What are but non-steroidal? Most, uh, things like brufen or uh, well, stuff oh, you, can buy, you can buy over the counter. Ibuprofen. Ibuprofen, like yes. But the more potent ones, uh, Celebrex and all that, they are f far more toxic. But uh, ibuprofen, if you, if you have it in a, in, in, a, in a proper dose that does get rid of your arthritis pain, which isn't just 200 to 400 milligrams, probably 8 to 1,600, it'll kill your kidneys eventually. 
um, and it's bad for your blood pressure, and it's bad, bad for your blood vessels, all the, the lining, the endothelium, and you'll get heart attacks and strokes and stuff. So kidney uh, failure is also seen with drugs, with, with, which has got effects on other parts of the body as well. Hmm. All right. So yeah, hands off the hands off the ibuprofen. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, you know the the way that ibuprofen it's used so extensively yeah. in in pa- in pain treatment, yeah. and yet it has been linked to all sorts of things like Barrett's yeah. esophagitis. Yes. it's been oh, yes. all, sorts yeah, of things. all sorts of things, and and those um, you know those diseases, those issues, actually become lifelong. Kathy, you, again, you know, you've got to use your judgment. If you've got an acute illness, an acute pain, you can have two, three, four weeks of, of, of them without a problem. But it's the people who chomp them every day for years. Yeah, exactly. All right, how do we keep our little, our little kidneys happy? What, how do you look after your kidneys? Um, well, I, I, do I, I do? don't do enough exercise, but I'm going to soon. <laughs> I have in the past, but I'm, I think you've got to eat wisely. You really have got to eat wisely. And, and, uh, and it's, it, it is so difficult. You just go to the supermarkets. Everything's full of salt. Everything is full of sugar. Of sugar. Impossible. So I, I think what you, you, if, if you eat fresh f- f- meat, fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, and not all this canned stuff, and not all the this. And who, I mean, who of us won't go out to to, to a nice restaurant twice a week or three times? That that's poison. You know, wherever you go, that's full of stuff to make the food taste nice, but it's not good for you. And then the, on the other side of the, the the coin is alcohol. There is no question of doubt that if you can stick to one glass of wine a day, you will live considerably longer than if you don't drink at all. That has been proven. White wine has got you heard no it here, everybody. Here White wine's <laughs> got no effect. Red wine is and pinot noir is the, the best because of the tannin. Uh, in it. Uh, I, I don't quite. I don't know. I'm not sure why. But, but okay, but, one glass of red wine. But it's a not. Day. A, you know, you can have a glass that's a two liters big, <laughs> an ordinary glass of uh, about uh, uh, 180 mils, 160 mils. I think is the big is the size, okay. and that's it. But once you start having more than that, then you go. The, then you tip the balance the other way. So it's everything in moderation. A little of everything, a lot of nothing. That, but to do that in modern society, I think, is almost impossible. Yeah, uh, Chris, following up on on his uh, question to you about uh, creatine, creatine, creatinine, yes. creatinine, right? He says, uh, so what happens if your creatinine is low or high? What are you ultimately looking for? Okay. A low measurement or a high <laughs> measurement? And yeah, he says a level of 45 in routine blood tests. A, a low level. Mean? A low level. Uh, look, it depends on age. Let's take an average person. Let's say 35 to 40. A low level usually means you're a very thin, skinny guy uh, without many, much muscle. And either you may have a primary muscle disease, but that's really rare. Usually you're not. You're a vegan or a vegetarian. If we do the EGFRs of vegetarians, they're low. And you think, oh my gosh, the, the, the creatinine is low, but it looks as if the kidneys aren't working. Hold on, are you saying vegetarians are healthier than non-vegetarians? Yes, yes. No, but then because if you then go and give that vegetarian a protein load, the percentage increase 
of, of, of function is huge. And if you eat, let's say taking a normal person eating, uh, which is not a normal diet, I'm talking about normal inverted commas, your normal protein intake should be about one gram per kilogram per day of protein. We in South Africa are eating 1.8 to 2.8. Now, if you, if you are, um, eating that amount of protein, your kidney function is better than anybody else's. But the pressures in those little filtering elements are under constant high pressure, and eventually they will scar up. And the high-protein eaters are the ones who later on in life have um, kidney failure. Um, Look, not many people eat 2.8 grams per kilogram, but you look at some of the bodybuilders. Uh, this yeah, is not good. And they eat creatine and, and protein and, they and, and they minor And they have it in different forms yeah. as well, most of it coming from yeah. animals. So a low creatinine often, if it's normal, can be a, in a vegetarian, and you stimulate that person with a protein meal, and the old function shoots up, and it's marvelous. So that's not a problem. Your kidneys are in overdrive. But it can also be that you're just a very small, wasted person. Now, if you do an EGFR, even that that protein is is uh, uh, low or if you do a, a, a gl- proper glomerular filtration rate what looks like 90% of normal which is uh, which is normal may only be 40% of normal that's where it is important to get this fancy test done the chromium edta gfr it's an isotope um, and the radio isotope departments of hospitals private and public will do those yeah Rose, I don't know where Rose's <laughs> mind is this morning, but she says, uh, if kidneys process all the junk out of a system, why do we eat kidneys? <laughs> Are you not putting more animal junk into our system? And when she, when she yeah. wrote it like that, I thought that just yeah. makes so much sense. Why? Yes, because the, the creatinine that is excreted by the kidneys in these tiny little tubules is a minute fraction. The meat you eat in kidneys is very rich in purine and pyrimidine. It's very healthy for the body. It's no, there's no difference. But the, the only thing about eating kidneys and liver and, and heart is that you get a much higher, because you get a higher purine pyrimidine concentration, you, your uric acid is higher. And that can also be a nephrotoxin as well. Mm-hmm. So don't eat that too often. But it, it's a very nutritious food. All right. What I'm going to go with is this 160 mils of red wine every night. Yeah. Pinot Noir particularly, then you, oh, won't, then you won't even get uh, Alzheimer's. It's been shown to be protective also, against... Uh, yeah. Oh, from, my God. They're from France. That, that, that work comes from a very big study. It's about three of them. Pinot Noir. But it's much more expensive. Yes, it would be. <laughs> 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 Professor Anthony Mayer, Professor Emeritus Anthony Mayer, thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight speaking to you. Thank you, Kathy. And it's so wonderful. Whatever I threw at you, you just... Took it and, and uh, you know, really, it's not often that I have. Yeah, but you're not sure that everything I said is right, of course. You know what? I'll go with it, especially the wine bit. (laughs) (laughs) Pinot Noir. (laughs) If you've missed any any details, if there's anything that you would like to hear again, then please get to our website. It's chaifm.com, C-H-A-I-F-M.com, and uh, you'll be able to download this Diskem Medical Monday a podcast a little bit later on today. Thank you so much to uh, to my guest, Professor Anthony Mayer. And to you, I wish you a wonderful week. God bless. Stay healthy. See you next Thank time. Thank you very much. Bye. Yeah.